You're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at DCAUReview.com. Now, here's today's episode. Hey, everybody. It's episode 104 of the DCAU Review. I am one of your hosts, Cal, with me, as he has been for the prior 103 episodes. It's my good brother and good friend, Liam. Liam. Uh, We are starting a new month here at the DCAU Review, and with that, we are returning to the future. The future, Cal? That's right, Liam. All the way to the year 2000. Well, technically, I guess 1999, but that doesn't fit with the old Conan O'Brien bit. So, uh, We are, of course, returning to the world of Batman Beyond, and uh, we are picking back right up where we left off with the second season episode rats yes and what a return (laughs) uh we commented as the last time that we were reviewing batman beyond that uh, there had been a shift sort of in the tone and the style uh at some point and that uh the storylines were going to be geared a little bit more towards terry and his high school uh, surroundings and this somewhat plays into that, um, but boy, is this an interesting episode. Um, before <laughs> before we get into discussing <laughs> discussing plot and our uh, the rest of our categories, let us get the official IMDb IMDb synopsis for Rats, which aired on uh, Kids WB back in November. Uh, November 20th, to be exact, 1999, Liam. Yes, and I have the synopsis here. It's one of the longest ones to date, I think. Wow. And uh, for this episode of all episodes. And uh, yes, this is the synopsis for the episode Rats, which was written by Rich Fogel, directed by Kurt Gaeta, with music by Shirley Walker. And that synopsis reads as such. Terry and Dana's relationship is strained when Terry's Batman duties get in the way of their relationship. After receiving a flower, Dana believes it's from Terry, but that, but soon comes to realize it's from an unexpected stalker with some unexpected friends. All right. Well, that, uh, he, yeah, unexpected is a way to say it. Uh, the first thing that I'll throw out there is that, um, this episode is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> this is, and you can tell from the get-go, this is going to be a ridiculous episode because it is literally named what the main antagonist is. That is rats. Uh, so we start off with Dana and I believe it's Chelsea. Is that the girl that's? Is, yes, is that that's, the girl that's, that's the short-haired blonde. Friend. Okay. Okay, Chelsea and then, of course, uh, Max are all at a, at, a, at a table watching a news report talking about Gotham's, quote, secret shame, unquote, that being giant man-eating rats. And, oh, boy, is it a roller coaster ride from there, Liam. <laughs> well, that's part of it as we get into the two plot here. Like, Part of this episode is that Dana has the secret admirer, and at first she thinks it's Terry leaving her the flowers. But then we see, like, things moving in the shadows and people watching her, and, like, you spelled out what it was. But there's not any real mystery to who it is. 
because you spelled out in the first 10 seconds of the episode and by the episode's name that it's going to be giant rats. So, <laughs> like, there's a weird amount of mystery in the first half of this. It's, it's yes, it's it's very much done like a uh, psychological thriller or horror movie where a teenage girl is being stalked in the shadows, as you mentioned, by an unknown assailant. But, yeah, it's, it's really no mystery. Um, the thing, <laughs> so, the thing that I really appreciated about this episode, uh, the maybe the only thing I appreciated about this episode, <laughs> is that it would be Exhibit A in any sort of court case against uh, trying to prove Terry is the world's worst boyfriend, <laughs> as we have, as we have been preaching for many, many, many episodes that we've reviewed of Batman Beyond here, that uh, hashtag Dana deserves better. But if we were to write an episode in order to sell the stickers that we had printed up that say Dana deserves better on them. I don't think we could have come up with a better episode than this. Yeah. So, and that's almost there in life's problem because as silly as the plot is, and as kind of dumb as the villain is, like if there was a better like resolution to this whole thing with Terry and Dana at the end of this, I think I would forgive it a little bit more. But instead, <laughs> Terry, because Dana has this traumatic experience where she's kidnapped and has to fight off giant rats, she just forgives Terry at the end of the episode and they walk <laughs> off together. It's like if this had been like a big monumental thing and like at the end he tells her he's Batman or he breaks or you go the Spider-Man route and he breaks up with her because he feels that, you know, he's, he's not being fair to her. Okay then at least at the end of all of this, there was like a point, but, and we've talked about this with episodes in the past, but at the end, you generally want the characters to be different at the end, even if it's in some small way uh, right. than they were at the beginning of the journey. And in this episode, they quite literally go right back to where they were. Like Terry's still going to be standing Dana up for dates, but he's not as bad as the creepy rat boy who kidnapped her. So I guess he's all right. Yeah, they they did that thing where they highlight a a huge issue. Like this has clearly been an issue that Terry's a deadbeat boyfriend that doesn't isn't there for her. He's falling asleep in the club. He's, you know, just he's a bad boyfriend. Yes. And they highlight that. Uh, I loved actually so Terry, I mean, uh, sorry, Dana's dad, Mr. Tan makes a, an appearance here. His one and only appearance in the in the series and uh, he even uh, verbatim says dana you could do so much better <laughs> bye dad study group tonight no i'm meeting terry dad dana i wish you weren't seeing that boy he's been in trouble he's got a record that was a long time ago dad he's got a job now he's really trying to make good but you could do so much better like What's verbatim that? says that um and as you said they they highlight it they put this giant spotlight on it and the funny thing is she doesn't even have any sort of stockholm syndrome-esque type feelings when this boy who does pay her attention like i'm not saying that she should be happy that this boy kidnapped her by any means like by all means this person that appears to be very rat-like who has rats for friends kidnapped her and dragged her to the 
to the sewers. But at least at the beginning, there was this like, oh, he, you know, he's being sweet and giving me these weird underground roses that he's created. Um, but there's not even a hint of Stockholm syndrome there. She's immediately revolted and wants to leave him. So it's almost like you're, you're teaching, you've taught Dana that she doesn't think she can do any better. Like she has, <laughs> she has this like just terrible self-esteem problem where she feels like she has to pick between a rat guy that has kidnapped her. Well, I, I, I can't, I can't go with that guy cause he's creepy and weird and he looks like a rat. So, and he has rats for friends. Uh, so, and his idea of a meal is licorice. And what was the other thing he off beef jerky or something, yes. Turkey jerky, something like that. Like, okay. I, I guess I just have to stay with, with, with Terry. Like, no, she should at the end say, you guys both suck. And I don't want to have anything to do with you guys. Like at all, <laughs> but that's not what happens. No, unfortunately it's not. Uh, and that's, it's, it's just frustrating. Cause again, it feels like there should be a big moment at the end of this because they do, uh, there's like a sequence near the end of the episode where she tries to escape and they, they kind of show that, that she's kind of capable of offending for herself, although she does end up getting taken back. But then as Terry arrives as Batman to save her at the end, you know, he's kind of overwhelmed by the giant rats. And she actually, uh, using some ingenuity, creates like a, a torch out of a hockey stick and actually helps him fight off the rats. And it's like, oh, this moment, like, all right, all right, like, there's a little bit more to Dana. She's not just the damsel here. But then at the end, she's just sitting on the police car with a blanket on her shoulders, and Terry comes up, and they just walk off together. It's like, man, that's <laughs> we took the wrong lessons from this story. All right, there's two things that you mentioned that I want to address here that were also huge plot holes for me. Um, and then I can talk about the only thing that I really did appreciate in this episode. Um, so uh, two huge plot holes or two thing issues that I have with the plot. First of all, they don't really they sort of pseudo address where these giant rats have come from. There's a mysterious, gigantic nuclear waste dump underneath <laughs> uh, where, next to where this rat boy lives, of course. And uh, it's, you know, I, I guess that's sort of a, a wink and a nod to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. What do you think? Yeah, that, that makes as much sense as anything. Okay. So obviously, there's a giant anthropomorphic rat in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles also. So um, the, the se- my second, second thought is, is there's not really an explanation for why Patrick looks like a rat. Like he just says he he resembles a rat, but he has like rat colored skin and giant rat ears also. So it's like they went halfway with this thing. Like they didn't want to make him a mutant rat boy uh, that has mutant rat friends. He's just a he's just a guy that was unfortunately born, I guess, with the same like killer croc disease. Like they could have even if they even like tied it into that with like, yeah. oh, it's the same disease or as a result of like his parents messing or splicing before before they had him or something like that. <laughs> right. I don't know. Like tie this into something that matters, but none of it matters. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a really great point because as we mentioned, we meet we meet Patrick and he's immediately off putting to her and is telling her she can't leave and is offering her jelly beans with cockroaches in them. 
and then yes, we, we and then he immediately turns sort of angry with her when she tries to leave at the end, and that's really the only development we get for him. And it's like, how did he he train the rats? Yeah, we didn't <laughs> like, get that either. Okay, we understand the rats are giant rats, and perhaps the toxic waste also makes them more like dogs because he was like <laughs> teaching them to fetch and stuff. My other thing with the plot that I wanted to mention, and I know you you had you had another point, so I'll let you get back to it in a moment here, but there's like a moment where there's absolutely no reason that Patrick ever has to go out with the giant rats. Right. Because they can clearly fetch whatever he wants without him, right. as they do when they bring Dana to him. And yet he goes with them to get the chili for the express purpose so that he can say, I have to get back to Dana within earshot of Batman. <laughs> So that Batman knows that he's the guy who has Dana. Right. Yeah. That I, I picked up on that too. Like the only reason, I mean, Terry had this suspicion that, that because he went back to the place and it was spicy chili or whatever, he (laughs) comments that Dana likes her. But of course, like there more than one person in the world likes the spicy chili, but yeah, if he hadn't, it's all happenstance where if he hadn't heard Patrick say that, then he wouldn't have known that this guy had anything to do with her disappearance. Um, yeah, I, I think the only part that I, that I appreciated other than, than, uh, Dana's father taking it to Terry and really <laughs> honestly ripping him a deserved new one, uh, would be the introduction of reoccurring character Mad Stan to, yes. to the Batman Beyond universe. Blow it all up! Yeah, he's this weird sort of... It, well, it's also funny because this is his first appearance in the series, but Bruce Wayne mentions specifically Mad Stan is back. So I like that for one reason, because I like the idea that even when we're not watching, Terry is off having these adventures sure. and meeting meeting villains and stuff like that. So I thought that was fine. But it's interesting, yes, that he's just this weird, like, anarchist guy who is <laughs> who is angry at the government and the system and wants to blow everything up. Kind of, I guess he's kind of like, he's like a meathead version of the anarchy Batman villain. Yes. Like, he's just super... But there's also, like, this throwaway line... Where as he's beating the tar out of Batman, uh, making making Terry late for his date, um, where Bruce Wayne's like, careful, the more he rants, the stronger he gets something. I was like, so he's like tirade Hulk, where the more the, the, the more worked up he gets about like the surveillance state, the stronger he is. Uh, yeah, I did notice that too. I was like, does that mean he's like a, is that, is that a superpower that he has? Cause it's, it's not really, I mean, it's not really mentioned that he's like, uh, what static would call like a bang baby or like a metahuman of any kind. So there's no reason to believe that he has any superpowers. So yeah, that throwaway line is just his rage. His rage is limitless. But that's, that's the thing though. If he just said like, he gets stronger when he gets mad, I'd be like, all right, whatever, fine. But specifically, he's like, don't let him get off on a rant. He becomes unstoppable. And I'm like, what? <laughs> That's so good. What does there's, that mean? There's, there's so much subtle commentary that applies to today's, honestly. Like, I, I did appreciate Mad Stan's talk about how there was people were inundated with too much information. Information uh, overload, man. 
As a society, we're drowning in a quagmire of vid clips, email, and sound bites. We can't absorb it all. There's only one sane solution. Blow it up! And, uh, and uh, they can't process it all with their brains or something. I was like, this is straight out of somebody's Twitter rant. Like, this is absolutely somebody's Twitter rant. Like taken from the future and brought to the past for the, this 1999 Batman Beyond script, and then Batman of only doing what he does for the clout. Although he doesn't use that word, that's <laughs> that's a 2020 word, but right, yeah. And and then you have you have shades of incel in Patrick, yeah, uh, Patrick the Rat Boy. So it's it's it's. Uh, I mean that part at least I could pull things from that and so all right this is this is in, this is entertaining or interesting but it was it was a struggle to get through this episode. <laughs> um, I gave this this uh, episode a two out of ten for plot. What about you? Yeah, I'm in that same ballpark. I went three out of ten. Uh, not a not a great day at the office for uh, for the Batman Beyond crew on this one. And again, like I think I think there's a way where either you eliminate the rat boy kidnaps Dana part of this. And it's just like a series of almost like little vignettes of Terry fighting different villains and constantly being late and, and find you know, keep screwing things up with Dana. And then you do your resolution at the end where he finally makes it or he doesn't. And she breaks up with him, whatever you decide to do, or you go full in on the, <laughs> on the rat boy side of it and again like i think this episode needed to end for it to be worth it with like him carrying her out of the sewers and taking off his mask and saying i'm batman that's why i'm a terrible boyfriend right and we didn't get either of that terry didn't learn anything from this episode literally he didn't right. learn anything. He didn't learn that his Batman is constantly going to get in the way of his of his relationship. He didn't he didn't learn that he wants a relationship more than he wants to be Batman. He it, yeah, there was absolutely no movement at all. Um, yeah, it's this is a I, I honestly thought about just start doing the intro here, playing the clip of the news guy talking about the giant rats and then. <laughs> playing Dana's clip to end it and just just ending this episode because, <laughs> because <laughs> it's it's a, it's yeah it's it's quite frustrating um all right so why don't we move on to uh our next category Liam, visuals and animation uh let's talk a little bit about this there are at least some interesting things to see in this episode uh what do you think about visuals yeah um i will say i i i think the Despite that we don't get a good explanation for why he looks that way, I think the Patrick Ratboy design is interesting. Uh, sort of uh, invokes uh, the uh, the original movie vampire Nosferatu a little bit. Okay, there you go. And also maybe a little bit of the kind of the very old uh, Batboy, which is like a really old tabloid news story. If you just Google Batboy, it's like a you'll come up it was it was this just weird tabloid like you know think like heyday of the national enquirer and all those uh you know things that you see newspapers kids used to be this thing and uh they were so there were so many newspapers that there got to be like fake what might one might call fake news uh in a mag in, in the form of a magazine and it would be at, at the checkout market at, at the at the supermarket as you were checking out 
uh, in the lane there. There would be a, a these magazines with these outrageous claims and silly stories. And Bat Boy was is sort of a, a legendary one of that. And I think he's sort of a, a mishmash of that. So I, I liked the Patrick design. Um, the, there's a, a scene where when Dana's trying to escape where she's confronted by a bunch of regular rats and she's just kind of staring into the dark and then all of the red eyes of the rats uh, open and I thought that was very clever and horror movie-ish mm-hmm. and uh, and again I, I like I like Mad Stan he's just this big <laughs> jacked up dude with a weird haircut and these little bombs that you can stick onto everything, including one where he sticks a bomb onto Batman's face. That was awesome. Spinning him around. I thought that was very, very clever. Yeah, there was a, there was another visual where he they're fighting in a library because Stan wants to blow up the library, and there's a bookcase that separates them, and he reaches through the bookcase and grabs Batman by the head and pulls him. <laughs> Pulls him towards him, <laughs> slamming Batman's face and head through the bookcase. It was really a uh, a violent but entertaining visual. Um, yeah, I I thought uh, I thought visuals obviously were the most interesting thing about this. I I concur. I, I think that the rat designs are interesting. If you're going to have you know the the joke for years has been that New York City has rats the size of dogs. So. If you're going to if you're going to do that, then yeah, they should be the size of dogs, I guess. If nuclear waste is going to mutate them, they're going to be the size of actual dogs. Uh, and I actually thought I, I kept an eye on it. They did a pretty good job of keeping things in scale. Um, for some reason, I, I had thought that they had an issue with scaling throughout this episode, where sometimes they look bigger and smaller. But um, they actually did a pretty good job of of keeping them pretty much the same size throughout. So that was good. Um, I did uh, did did catch a couple of of Easter egg visions in here that I wanted to mention. Mm-hmm. Um, so Terry rides the subway in this episode or the sky subway or whatever it is. Yes. Uh, he's sort of on his way to his date with Dana when he gets the call from Bruce. He's sitting next to the man that he actually saves at the beginning of Hidden Agenda um, from the Joker's crew. Uh, there's a ah, man yes. in the, from the sky, in the, also in the sky subway. So the guy apparently still riding the sky subway. Um, <laughs> he, I think he makes a couple appearances in additional episodes later on. Uh, but he, that, that was the same guy there. I thought that was pretty interesting. There's also a, uh, a little cameo from magma from the, uh, terrific trio, yes. uh, which, uh, we covered that episode back in the archives at DCAUreview.com. Check that one out. Uh, but, uh, he, he mentions that he collects, uh, Patrick does. Uh, that he collects things that no one wants anymore, and he pulls out this magma figure out of his bag. So <laughs> clearly, the uh, terrific trio merchandise is no longer a, a hot-selling commodity. And uh, there was also a what I believe was a Beppo the Super Monkey toy, which uh, we have not covered the episode just yet in Superman the Animated Series. But I believe Lois Lane had a had had a a toy monkey in that episode. Yes. And monkey that, Fun is the episode. Yes, Monkey Fun. That same monkey toy makes a uh, brief cameo also in in Patrick's collection. So some uh, neat little uh, callbacks there in in uh, in his collection. There not as many as I would have liked to <laughs> like to at least distract yeah. me from this terrible story. <laughs> uh, but uh, that and honestly, I, th- I thought that the final bat the final fight with Terry and the giant rats and Dana getting involved, as you mentioned, with the hockey stick and burning bear who may or may not have been Barbara Gooden Gordon's whoopee. I couldn't <laughs> couldn't make a 
couldn't make a yes or no on that one, so I didn't quite say it, but uh, makes this burning burning fire stick using the hockey stick and the, the burning teddy bear. I thought that was a, it was a, it was a good visual for that. Um, this is definitely the strongest thing I think in the, in the episode besides maybe voice. Uh, but I ended up giving visuals and animation a six out of 10. What about you? <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm right in that same ballpark. There's a few other things I noticed on, on Patrick's shelves. Uh, there is a, for legal reasons, definitely wasn't this, but I think there was a toy death star on his, ah. uh, on his shelf. Nice. And there's also appeared to be a doll of what appeared to be the DC Comics villain Chemo or Chemo, depending on how nice. you pronounce that. Uh-huh. So there's a yeah, there's a few other uh, little little, little uh, nods like that. But yeah, there was a and yeah, as you mentioned, that final scene once the explosions are going off and it's Batman carrying Dana and basically trying to outrun the explosion with all the flames coming behind him. I thought that was a very very well put together sequence and as he as they burst out of the manhole cover and the fire comes up behind him and 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 all of that i, th- I thought that was uh, really really well done as well yeah what was your final score uh, it was a uh, six out of ten six out of ten all right same score for that one very good all right uh let's on let's move on to music liam as you mentioned charlie walker did the music for that which makes a lot of sense because um now step back for a second. I'm going to get on my soapbox again. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago when we were reviewing the Justice League Unlimited episode for The Man Who Has Everything that I'm really irritated that La La Land Records and WB have not put out the soundtracks for either of these two series uh, available to stream, download, buy on CD, uh, mm. because it, it really hampers the ability to, to really, especially with these these particular soundtracks to really hone in and listen, in my opinion, to the idiosyncrasies of the soundtrack. Otherwise it kind of just, unless it's very unique, it just kind of blends into the background a lot, which is what I found uh, happened for me in this episode. What did you think of music? Yeah, I think there's two standout things, which is again, we keep going back to that mad stand uh, scene, but uh, I thought, it, like it's completely different even though yes there's a lot of electric guitars and rock music he has like this really over the top probably the only thing comparable would be like when lobo shows up in superman the animated series mm-hmm. um where it's like just a super rocked up like you know death you know har- hardcore like 80s 80s metal rock theme when he walks in the room and he's and, and i think that fit the mad stand character very well and uh, and then yes, I, I, there's a music just briefly at, right before Terry goes into the uh, the chilly place and confronts Patrick and the rats as he's sort of flying through the city and he's looking around. I, I noticed there was kind of some nice quieter music in that in that moment as well. But yeah, as you mentioned, when you're when you're not able to really kind of isolate that soundtrack, it, it really uh, and in this episode it seems especially. A lot of the music was sort of meant to sort of blend in and, and sort of just be part of the atmosphere rather than pulling focus the way some of the more traditional great villain themes uh, have in some of our other series that we've talked about. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I, I thought there's there's nothing wrong with the music. Like I said, I, I really did enjoy the the mad, the mad music in the in the Mad Stand fight. So I, I gave music a six out of ten. All right. Um, and I am fairly close to there. Uh, I went with a five out of 10. There was one musical note that I picked up on and it's right when Terry and Dana are exploding out of the, 
out of the sewers, as you mentioned, the, the f- they're outrunning this flame, flaming explosion that happens. And um, he, after he, they come forth from, from the sewers, they land on this, um, this catwalk or on the top of this building. And there's a twinge of guitar that comes through and I'll see if I can find it and play it right here. But it sounds very similar to the tail end of the original Batman, the animated series theme. It's 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 just very subtle and it's very, very uh, it's it's used very quickly. But it reminded me of that. And then when you said Shirley Walker did the music for this episode, I wondered I was like, well, I wonder if she just for kicks threw in a, a familiar note or two in the, into that one to to make it sound similar to a know a resounding batman triumph theme so uh very interesting there but yeah i i went five out of ten for the music that was the only real musical note that i picked up on that i thought was interesting at all the rest of it sort of just blends into the background hey by the way la la land records and wb please release these soundtracks please (laughs) please all right uh, let's move on to our final category for the daily which is going to be voice acting Uh, let's talk about our voice cast for this week yeah, so we have all of our regulars. We have Chris Summer briefly as Max. We have Kevin Conroy very briefly as Bruce Wayne. I think he shows up in about two two scenes and is just kind of there to throw some exposition at uh, at Terry, as we mentioned about about Matt Stan's super <laughs> ranting powers. Right. <laughs> um, and uh, and then we have. Uh, of course, we have Will Friedle as Terry, and we have Lauren Tom as Dana. This is probably the most Lauren Tom we've got in one episode so far, yes? Yeah, I think so. She did a lot of the heavy lifting for this episode. Yeah, and she's she's very good. Like, yeah. as as much as the 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 material, you know, you you might hear that if you if you listen to actors talk occasionally, you'll hear a phrase like "elevate the material." Um, and I I think she does her best to. Uh, you know, make to make this work, and um, and she's she, she yeah, she's doing her best. <laughs> I would yeah, say that. agree. She does a good job. Um, and then for our guest cast, we do have Clyde Kusatsu as uh, Dana's father. Um, which again, I mostly just wanted to point out because he was he's like a spokesman for our hashtag <laughs> Dana deserves better stickers, which uh, which you can buy from us. Um. <laughs> yeah, pick one up. Pick one up if you too believe that Dana deserves better. And Liam, I, I'm just going to throw this out here while while we have this. I've heard rumblings that there are, and I'm not going to name them. I'm not going to call them out on this, but there are other podcasts and other DCAU fans that think that Dana sucks, that Terry belongs with with Ten, and that Ter- that Dana is too whiny and expects too much. And I I am here to tell you that that could not be anything further from the truth. It's I, not I, whiny to ask your boyfriend to show up when he <laughs> says he's going to show up. <laughs> That's just not what that word means. She even she even like in this episode gives him grace. She like she, he's five minutes late or ten minutes late or whatever. She's like, okay, I'm going to give him five minutes. It's okay, it's only five minutes. And then like. I mean, honestly, I, 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 yeah. Somebody told me that this week. They're like, you need to, you need to go and talk to these people because they're saying that Dana sucks. And I was like, 
they're welcome to their opinion, even if their opinion is wrong. It's a wrong, it's <laughs> a wrong opinion. <laughs> but anyway, hashtag Dean deserves better, and, For uh, sure. and Mr. Tan knows that. Uh, we Absolutely. had Henry Rollins as Mad Stan, yes. and uh, a, a pretty well-known, I think, character actor. He's one of those guys where you may not know him by name, but if you see his face, you'd probably know him. Done a lot of TV, done a lot of other voice acting. I think he's on the current uh, Masters of the Universe reboot show that's about to be debuting soon, which okay. also features a bunch of DCAU voice talent as well. Absolutely. Um, so that's uh, I, I think he again we've 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 made it quite clear I think by this point in our in our episode here that uh, that Mad Stan's kind of the highlight of the show and I think he does a great job. Absolutely. And then, uh, yeah, we have Taryn Noah Smith as Patrick slash Ratboy, who folks would know as uh, the, le- the least interesting son on Home Improvement. The, uh, not, the Jonathan Taylor Thomas. not Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Not Jonathan Taylor Thomas and not the older one. Okay. <laughs> the one that was like a goth for a season. <laughs> yep. Instantly forgettable. Yes. Um I think his, I think the kid, I think on the show his name was Mark, but I'm not 100% on that. All right. Um, but anyway, uh, he's not very good, and this was also his final acting job ever, according to IMDb. Wow. Um, he, I, I actually did a little bit of research about this. Apparently, the story is he made his money. He didn't really enjoy acting, so he quit. And hey, good for him. Good for him. Yeah. There's no rule that says you have to be an actor if you just because you were an actor as a child. So good for Correct. you if you get out and you find something else that you like. Yeah, good for him. Uh, I, and I, I don't disagree with you. I don't think that he was very good as a voice actor. I, I can't say anything uh, for how his acting was on Home Improvement because, as we mentioned, he's a forgettable character. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I... I he was he was okay, but not very convincing as Patrick slash Ratboy. Yeah, especially I think at the end when you're when you're doing the, you know his his quote unquote betrayal, uh, you need you needed him to kind of kick it up a notch there, and he he kind of just reads the reads uh, all all the lines in kind of the same tone of voice. So I yeah I didn't really feel anything one way or the other as he's sort of goes from this kind of goofy sort of sad sack character into a more sinister one. It's like, all right, well, like when he's basically admitting that he has in fact is responsible because they mention as part of this newscast at the beginning of the episode that the giant, that people have been going missing. And he sort of at the end of the episode admits that he's kidnapped other people before Dana and fed them to his rats when they didn't want to stay. Right. Right. And, and you need like and if if he had like a real sharp turn there in the voice acting department, again, this a couple of the other category scores might be higher too. But uh yeah, unfortunately I, I didn't think he was a great voice actor. Again, I don't know that there are a ton of actors that could make this a good story, but that that moment where he sort of reveals at the end that yes, in fact, he is responsible for those people going missing and he fed them to his rats and it's just Okay, well, I'm ready for Batman to show up. <laughs> let's uh, let's wrap this up. Uh, yeah, I, I I concur with you. Um, all of that, I, I assume. I don't think there's anybody else we have to talk about, right? Voice yeah. acting wise. Okay, uh, I'm gonna give my score then. Uh, 
I will tell you that um, that that Lauren Tom does an, a tremendous job, as we already mentioned. She does, yeah. She, she's really, really good. Um, really believable as this character. Really shows a wide range of emotions. Um, you know, she does exactly what she's asked to. She's fantastic, and uh, she gets the majority of the score for this. Unfortunately, her score gets some points knocked off of it due to Rat Boy. Um, <laughs> I gave it. I gave it. I gave it a six out of ten. Um, I, I think Lauren Tom, like I said, she's fantastic. I think that the rest of the uh, voice cast is just okay. Yeah, I'm I'm a little I'm a little lower on on the scale here, just because I like I said I really don't not not again I don't think the story would have been good, but I do think if you're gonna do a story this dumb, you need a really <laughs> hammy, over the top villain for your piece, and you have that. For a couple of minutes with Mad Stan, but then we have to move on. We have to move back to Rat Boy, who is not very good. So I actually went ahead and gave Boy's acting a four out of ten. Four out of ten. Wow. Um, so hypothetically speaking, uh, if we had a character that was, you know, a collector and had to be cast, and it was a person maybe that needed to be a little bit cartoony and maniacal, um, would you consider? <laughs> Consider casting one of my top five uh, greatest voice actors in the DCAU, that being Bruce Tim. Well, you know he loves toys. <laughs> yes, as heard in Beware the Grey Ghost, which of course you can hear in the archives at DCAUreview.com. Here Liam and I argue over whether or not Bruce Tim is a good a good voice actor in that episode, one of the few times that we disagree with the, uh, with uh, with each other. Uh, all right, Liam, let's uh, wrap this up and give our final scores. Uh, totaling everything up here, I come up with a final score of 19 out of 40. What about you? And in fact, I adding everything up, also have a final score of 19 out of 40. What do you know about that? Uh, Man, Um, I don't think we even need to discuss rewatchability here. The only thing thing that I would say is if if you have any doubt that Dana deserves better than Terry McGinnis, you should watch this episode um, and then stop at the point where... Terry saves her from the burning building because the fact that she jumps back into his arms really <laughs> makes me angry. And at some point you have to question her sanity. Uh, but again, maybe she just has low self-esteem. Yeah. yeah. I just, that's, this is, this is like the PSA episode where it's like, ladies, <laughs> come on. You don't have to settle. Right. And if he's not making you happy just because he's better then a murderous rat boy does not mean he's right for you, and you don't have to settle. And that's the message I took away from this week's Batman Beyond. I think that needs to be the clip that we put up for the preview this week. Uh, yeah, I think so. You give me the PSA. I love that. Um, all right, so do uh, you agree with me? This is a skip. Yeah, there's quite – you know, they actually bring the Patrick character back in one of the tie-in comics – uh, Why? For one, for one issue of the, but uh, no, I don't think you can you can skip that that issue of the comic and you can skip this episode of the show. Yeah, there's I mean yeah, there's no reason, absolutely no reason, uh, unless you no even even if you just 
don't if, even if you just have 20 minutes to waste and you like you're like what are those what's the worst way that i can waste these 22 <laughs> minutes like i there's a thousand other things that you could do well uh, the worst so, yeah. way i think historically on our show is like eternal youth or unity correct <laughs> so, yep. it's not even yeah it doesn't even reach like the so bad it's good levels of bad it's just it's just not particularly enjoyable and correct. i'm sad that dana doesn't have better self-esteem <laughs> Oh, man. Love it. All right. Let's wrap it up. Uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in this week. As we plugged several times, uh, if you want to get yourself one of those very cool Dana Deserves Better stickers, contact us on Instagram at uh, DCAU Review or contact Liam at uh, DCAU Review on Twitter. Slide into our DMs and we'll let you know how we can get one of those to you. We'd love to get one too. We've already gotten a couple out to a couple of DCAU review fans. Thank you. Those that have supported us, uh, supports us a little bit too in this time in a small way. So we appreciate that. Yes. Uh, don't forget. You can also check Liam out on Twitter. Liam, I know you've been holding things down there on the fort. Um, let's talk about, uh, what do we have coming up next week for next week's episode of the DCAU review? Yes, and we will be continuing in the world of Batman Beyond next week and for the rest of the month of May here. And we will be picking up with the very next episode in the list here, and that is Season 2, Episode 10, Mind Games. All right. Um, looking forward to that one. That's going to be good. Uh, but thanks again, everybody, for tuning in this week. Uh, don't forget, check us out on social media. Subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, uh, Spotify, basically wherever you listen to a podcast, you can find us there. So please like, subscribe, and uh, leave a review if you don't mind on Apple Podcasts. That helps us out immensely. Liam, anything else? Yeah, just uh, we've gotten a, a good amount of feedback, especially over the last uh, couple months, especially. And just, again, really, really, really appreciative. Uh, you know, again, I know times are weird and uh, we're, we're glad that you've uh, you've given us a chance and you're, you're listening. And, yeah, we'd like to hear your opinions as well. So definitely feel free to uh, talk to us at, on Twitter or Instagram. I would love for anybody who thinks that Dana is a bad girlfriend to tweet uh, Liam at DCA review and, and give, but like show your work. Like why is she, yes. why did it, why does she suck? Uh, why did, should he be with Melanie and not Dana? And honestly, Terry deserves Melanie. Absolutely. 110% because Melanie is a terrible person. But <laughs> Dana is not. Dana is the salt of the earth and deserves so much better than Terry. Right. We'll leave it at that. That's right. Uh, until next week, I'm Cal. And I'm Liam. And we'll talk to you on the next episode of the DCAU Review. Adios.